Enterprise is hosted by Gene Hopkins, Chief Revenue Officer at OneScreen.ai. Backed with 30 plus years of experience in marketing technology and data, Gene builds sustainable customer and team relationships while bridging the gap between marketing and sales organizations. Hey everybody, Susan Finch here, your producer at Funnel Media Group. And I am so excited because Gene Hopkins is back. Gene, <laughs> not that I went far away, but <laughs> thank you, COVID. Well, you kind of went mute on it. Oh my gosh, you were so quiet, at least here. Yeah. I know you've been out there and been on shows and been and had your appearances and things all over the place, but let's get back to your heart. And that was Table oh, totally. Fries. And we are relaunching You're, Table Fries. award-winning Table so, Fries, nevertheless. <laughs> it is. I know. I mean, we went for an award and we got it right. immediately, of course. Right. So what I want to do is catch everybody up. Those of you that have not heard of Table Fries, which I don't know how you haven't, but if you haven't, Let's give you a recap and then tell you what the goals are. And you need to go back to tablefries.com and catch up on a couple of episodes because now we're coming into the next, not really an evolution of it, but the next stage and the next home of Table Fries. So Gene, tell us, catch us up. So Table Fries was born a while ago, actually. The idea came about when I was with... Uh, one of my HubSpot buddies in San Diego at a social media conference. And in San Diego, across the street from one of the main convention centers is the bar of Top Gun. And, you know, everybody goes there and they get a hamburger and they get some French fries or something. And the waitress served the uh, a bunch of French fries in a basket. And she said, here are your table fries. And I said, I've never heard of that before. And it was such a great way to be able to talk about sharing. And I'm not sure that we would do that now in the era of pandemic life. So I bought the domain, I bought the Twitter handle, I bought this, and I had this idea of like trying to figure out how to share things. And then when I went to Lola and we had such a strong group of people. Stacy Scott was in charge of people ops. We had so many fantastic people there. And what I learned is even though I've been presenting and being on webinars and podcasts and all that kind of thing, a lot of other women haven't had that chance and they were afraid to put themselves out there because they didn't know what it entailed. So I said, well, why don't I start doing this? So Table Fries got it born and we started it at Lola.com. And I think we recorded with Funnel Media Group some 20 episodes or so. And it's they always say that 20 is the magic number. If you can get to 20, then you have something of value. And I'm sure the number is much higher now, Susan, because you teach and you tell people about how to make their podcasts awesome. Yeah, is it more? Um, no, actually, I mean, people usually burn out after six months, period. And either they're going to get into that rhythm okay. or they're not. But what I have found too, people that say, oh, I only want to do it once a month. You're never going to get the rhythm. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it at least twice a month, hopefully every week. But twice a month can at least get that regularity because you want people excited sure, about your sure. next episode. The cadence and everything. Yes. So a couple of years ago, Lola.com flying high, 
January, February 2020, best sales months. We sold more than we did in all of 2019. I joined the company in 2018 working for Mike Volpe. Great team of people, very diverse. Paul English, the founder, was very adamant about making sure that we had a diverse workforce on the team. And it was a business travel management software company. And at the end of February, we started seeing cancellations for flights. Then we started seeing cancellation of events. And in the early part of March, I think it was around March 6th, March 7th, there was a board mm -hmm. meeting. And the board meeting said, we don't know what this means, but you're going to have to conserve cash. And at that time, Mike Volpe, being a very good <laughs> CEO, he cut the workforce in half that eliminated all the marketing team members that eliminated all the sales team members. And I thanked Mike for doing that simply because it got me out into the workforce early. I mean, there was a decent severance package. And when people from Lola became available, different team members, Emma Brudner, Susan, who was head of engineering, she put together these groups, these Slack groups and put lists of people that were available and every single member of my team, the marketing team got picked up within 30 days, every single one of them, which I was happy for. And I was happy wow. for them. I know it's a, it was a miracle. And then as we all know, things, it just kept going on and on and on. And then people were losing their jobs. Nobody knew what was going to happen. When was it going to end? Just a very anxiety ridden time to be. I did get a job. I had a couple of three offers, actually, um, two of which I didn't take because the, um, as a CMO, uh, the head of sales in both of those organizations did not respect marketing at all. And, you know, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, why do you want to hire a CMO if you don't like marketing? And um, so I went to a, a work for a company in Rhode Island and it was misrepresented to me. It was misrepresented as being a technology company when it was really a manufacturing company, which I didn't mind the manufacturing because it's, it's nice to kind of build things. But they, I consolidated the organization. We, we did a big for, full court press into mass, branded mass because schools and sports were still working. So, you know, there were mass with um, that had the school logo and different things like that. So we did about a million dollars in it in, in 2020. And then at the end of the year, I have a tendency to wear out my welcome, I guess, because I have no problem <laughs> telling people that, you know, this is probably not the right thing to do. And, and anyway, I went to a different portfolio company of the same portfolio. And that was even three steps further into the basement of things that I could work on. So it was really hard to mm -hmm. kind of regroup and talk about things that needed to be taken care of. And I was never fully leveraged as terms of it. And, and the CEO of the second right. company really didn't know what he was doing. He wasn't able to delegate where delegation would make sense. And I'd never worked for a company where I had absolutely no idea what was going on with the budget. No idea, no visibility, Oof. nothing. So the lack of transparency really bothered me. And I knew how important that was. So while I was at the first COVID job, people get COVID puppies. I got COVID jobs. <laughs> uh, the first one I actually bought, I bought some 
inventory from one screen to be able to promote our product offering at hockey rinks. And so I was a customer. And then a little bit further on, they asked me if I wanted to be in the pre-seed round. And I talked to my husband about it. And I said, you know, this is a lot like HubSpot when I first joined HubSpot. Like, heck, it's all in one place. And so one screen had all this outdoor advertising, 75 different types of products. When I say 75, because a wrapped ice cream truck is one, (laughs) you know, a wrapped bus, all these different types of outdoor advertising, all, and they're building this huge search engine for everything that's available right now in the United States, and it soon will be global. So we invested in it, and then I was asked to become an advisor. And as an advisor, I was helping out with their head of marketing and trying to teach him what's the one thing that you can do this week, this month that's going to make a difference. Then they brought me in to be able to look at the sales pipeline and take a look at what's happening there. And then they said, hey, do you want to come to work for us? And I'm like, yeah, I would like to have intelligent conversations. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. I would like to laugh at the absurdity of life and not feel like I'm living it, like the Truman Show or something. So it was, (laughs) and, and I think that working for a technology company or working for a software company, both of those Rhode Island companies required me to be in the office, required me to be in the office. And I'm like, what plane? Wait, I'm I'm sorry. Wait, your COVID jobs required you to be as a knowledge worker to be in the office office because, because they, you know, they don't see you, you're not working. And right. Quite frankly, in the second one, they had people that were unvaccinated in the, there was no policy, right? So they had unvaccinated people that were out for weeks at a time with COVID. And so I'm like, you want me in the office and I'm going to wear a mask all day in the office. Cause, and I'm like freaking out because I have parents that are older. Right. And I'm thinking yeah. this does not make sense. So one screen is 100% fully remote. There's a few of us in Massachusetts, but they're all over the world. When we talk to Mayher, we have, I think 30 people or something in India. We're growing by leaps and bounds. You cannot believe the talent that's on this team and talk about intelligent conversations you know, you're having conversations, you know, like how you and I, we laugh about things that we both find amusing. It's the absurdity of life, right? Life is weird. And, you know, we all go through different things. So when I started, I realized that we have a lot of women joining the company. I've started doing mentoring sessions with some of the women that are unaccustomed to working in a startup or for a technology company. They have agency experience and they have out of home experience, but they all have a little bit of PTSD. I remember one of my team members joined in December, fantastic, talented human being. And she sends me an email and says, is it okay if I leave for 20 minutes to go pick up my son at school? And I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) really, you have to ask me that? And I felt so bad for her because, and I said, you never, ever have to ask me that question ever. You go pick up your son, you do what you have to do when you have to do it and how you have to do it you don't need my permission in order to do that. But apparently the company that she came from, she would drop out. She has four boys. She has four boys. She has like a 
a four-year-old, a six-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. God bless her, right? And she'll be on this show soon. And she, and I think about it, I go, oh my Lord. But <laughs> she had been in the job that she was before she came to one screen. She had to drop one of her sons off and she would get to the office at 8.20 every day. And she produced and she was, you know, provided fantastic work, real, you know, did the, all this stuff. But she got her balls busted every single day because everybody else started at eight. And what the heck is she doing for 20 minutes? And why is she coming in at 820? And what's special about her? And I think, you know, life's too short. You, you need to work in an organization where you're valued for the work, you're valued for the contributions and what you achieve, not looking at the clock 100% of the time. Right. So even when I worked at HubSpot and I left HubSpot 10 years ago, and I went to the office because I live 72 miles south of Cambridge, Massachusetts. I went to the office two days a week. I went on Mondays and I went on Thursdays. And the rest of the time I was online. Nobody ever squawked about it, ever. Nobody ever said a thing because they knew I was there. They knew I was, whatever I was doing, I was doing. So why can't we trust everybody like that? It's about control mm. and fear and the unwillingness to change mm. because it's one of the examples you gave was that second COVID job you had <laughs> that this whirling massive, I don't know what anybody's doing. Why do they even want right. a CMO? Because they knew they needed one, but they really didn't know what right. to do with it. Right. And they've been told they had to have right. one. And it's like, can everybody just get off my case if I get this CMO person and we'll figure out what to do with them later, or maybe we won't give them anything, but at least we have one. And sometimes it's just those little check boxes, but they're still not letting go yeah. of those old yeah. ways. Yeah. And I think the biggest gift we have had through these last couple of years is slamming us into find the talent where the talent mm. is. Embrace the talent, embrace the humanity of mm -hmm. the talent. And if they get the job done, who cares when they do it? <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Sometimes scheduling a meeting might be difficult. Yeah. You know, just sometimes dealing with East Coast time, it's difficult sometimes, sometimes. but we work yep. around it and there's just no reason for anybody to have their balls busted <laughs> Totally, for being human, right. for having a right. life, for taking right. care of older parents and just women. I mean, I know men going through the same thing. It's like, I got to get this done, this done, right. and this done. I'm taking care or I'm filling in whatever right. it is, but it, it, we know it primarily falls on the women to make both work. It just, it's just mm -hmm. what it is. That's just life. And we're good so at to it. hear earlier, <laughs> well, we aren't good at it. We're good at prioritizing and shifting right. as we have to. And I mean, my kids have been raised working in the family business since they were, you know, in my arms mm -hmm. and understanding what it means to be quiet on a call and working around right, a schedule right, right, and right. dad saying, I got it. I'll take you. But when that's not an option, it's just mom trying to make it all happen too. <laughs> Like it's a lot. It's a lot. So I know this isn't just about, you know, women justifying that they're great at what they do. This is about the humanity mm. in the workplace yep. and appreciating it and lifting up those skills in addition to the humanity, not beside the humanity, not because not instead of not as a choice. It's all part of our success. Yes. 
the more humans we bring into the picture and appreciate the humanness of them. And like you and I do laughing at the ridiculous, stop taking it so seriously, (laughs) find some humor. I just finished Mel Brooks autobiography. Oh, Oh, I can't recommend that enough. Is it an audible? Um, I believe so. Oh my gosh. I, (laughs) I, I'll probably buy it in audible too, because I want to hear him. I laugh so hard. I was so disappointed when I was at the end. Tell me more stories. I need a Mel Brooks film festival. (laughs) The world does. Although some, some of his movies like Blazing Saddles probably wouldn't, wouldn't pass the PC sniff test right now. (laughs) They should because he brought it, but that's why he made those. And that's the thing that people miss is sometimes we bring those things yeah. up to talk about yes. comfortable. So I'm telling you, that's on your, your next reading list. Okay, I'm going to get that. I'm <laughs> writing it down right now. Oh my gosh. I was just howling. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So what can we expect from this round of table fries? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about some work things about the teams that they're working on. What's the most ambitious goals? A lot of this is one of the things I've noticed is as we're growing companies and I had interviewed a candidate earlier today that one of the challenges that we're faced with is that um, back in September of 2021, we had nine people and we're fast approaching 50. And every time that you add new people, trying to explain to people that are joining the team that you join new people and it's not accretive positive, right? It ends up because people have to be trained and they're learning and they're trying to figure out how to integrate into the team that you do have some, it's not blowback, but you have some drag in terms of being able to move forward. And that for every person, the efficiency of the team decreases by about 10% because everybody else is, you know, meeting and trying to train them and get to that. And then, then you're able to get to the 110%, the 120%, but people don't give themselves enough time. And the ones that are least likely to give themselves time are women. You know, they expect that I'm just going to jump in and I'm going to clean up, you know, clean up this mess (laughs) and, and we're going to be full steam ahead. And so the challenge on something like that is it doesn't always work like that. And they don't give themselves a break just to be able to learn and to understand what the expectations might be. So that those are, that's the, I'd like it to be able to like, what are we trying to achieve? What are we doing? I like the decisions that has a big impact on you and also the shout outs to the individual team members. So I'm trying to take it from a less like, how did you join Lola to more about how are you leading your team? And what do you see as part of your team? And trying to make this less of a confessional, if you will, and a little bit more of a, how do you become a leader? And where where are you moving to be able to be a leader? That sort of thing. So just kind of shifting the focus a little bit because I want people to feel that they have contributions to make, valuable contributions, and they're recognized. Mm-hmm. And it's just one step just one step after another. Well, the Lola version versus the one screen AI version have one thing in common though. And this is an opportunity for people behind the scenes at a large company that is all over the place Mm. 
to get to know each yes. other because they don't always have the time zone That's capability, right. the schedule availability to spend that time. And from there they can say, Oh man, that show is great. I'm going to reach out to that right, person. Right. I'd like to visit more, learn That's more, right. commiserate, yes. bounce ideas off anything. Sure. So it isn't just for the world. It's also for the one screen AI world mm -hmm. too. And it's something folks to inspire you Think about the conversations in your own companies. Where are you missing out making those connections now that we are everywhere in 24 different mm -hmm. time zones? How can we bring ourselves together, get to know each other, and still accomplish all of the goals that we have to in business? And Table Fries is setting out to do that. And I am so excited. And don't forget, folks, to look forward for our little segments that we're going to be having on wickedloving.com. It'll be the outtakes from each of those, these episodes where somebody gives a shout uh -huh. out because it's a great place to lift up the people on your team. Yes, for sure. Thank Gina, you, Susan. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you. So, so glad much. we were able this to kick fun. this off again. <laughs> oh, me too. I've missed you oh, very much. You, Susan. You've been listening to Table Fries with host Gene Hopkins from OneScreen.ai. Jean sets out to interview every woman working at onescreen.ai. At Table Fries, there's always room to share. So grab small plates and don't forget the dipping sauce. Check out your favorite podcast apps or visit us at tablefries.com where the most current episodes will always be waiting for you. Table Fries, where sharing is caring. <laughs>